Happy Easter. Easter. How is everybody? I'm excited to be here. My name is Jamie. I want to thank Mackenzie for being up here and signing for us. Uh, So just to warn you, I had a lot of coffee this morning. I'm a little pumped up, right? So so match me this morning. It's Easter. We can be a little bit more expressive, okay? Uh, I know we're in the Midwest. It's okay. Let's go. Uh, What is your story? Uh, My story was, uh, I was in college, uh, the first two years of college, uh, I was broken. Like, life wasn't working. I'd grown up going to a Lutheran middle school, Uh, a lot of things happened in my family and past, and and I learned at that Lutheran middle school, it was a great environment, a lot of mentors, a lot of people to look up to, Uh, I learned who Jesus was. But the problem was I didn't get to know Jesus. There is a difference. You can know a lot about God, uh, but then there is actually knowing God. There is a difference. So I was in college uh, living for myself. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. I was going in the direction that I thought I should go in, uh, in a direction that I believed would provide a safe life, uh, hopefully a profitable life, and I was trying to fill this deep void and hole in my life through whatever means I could. I'd go out on the weekends, I would have the best time, I'd be the best one at the party, I'd fill my life with all these relationships that I thought would bring joy and peace and fulfillment and meaning in my life. I would attempt to create some type of identity for myself through those relationships, through what I did. But there's only one problem. Like it just left me empty. No matter what I did, no matter who I related with, like there was just a void that wasn't being filled by anything else. So what's your story this morning? Think about it. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe... You've come in with all sorts of doubts and your faith is a mess and there's all sorts of doubts and, and things that are consuming your mind or, or maybe you're just really angry at the church right now or, or maybe, like whatever it is, what is your story right now? Where are you at? Maybe you're in the midst of finding yourself trying to find purpose and identity in what you do and, and that's not working out so well. Or maybe the quality of the relationships that you have or the people you're associated with, like you're trying to gain a life through that. Or maybe it's how many likes you can have or what kind of job you can have or what kind of money that you can make so that you can build for yourself the life that you have always wanted. Or maybe you're trying to like slip on this identity, right? Like, I know this isn't quite me, but I'm trying to slip it on because my friends are doing it, or I'm trying to slip it on because that's what I think culture does, or I'm trying to slip on this identity because there's only so many out there, and i got to try them all on. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I, I know 
I know of Jesus. Like, I go into church a lot. But I don't really know him. And you're sitting in all this, and you're just thinking, like, life is really empty. Maybe you're searching. Maybe you're looking. Maybe you're longing. And here's what I think the beauty of Easter is, because I believe that Easter is the invitation. Right? Easter is the invitation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, If you've been hanging with us for a while, you know that we've been going through the book of Jonah and talking about this prophet. And so this morning we're going to talk about it again, but only in the light of Easter. And so Matthew 12, Jesus is talking to the teachers of the law. They'd be like the theologians and the pastors of the day. And some of the Pharisees, it says in verse 38, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Jesus, could you just give us a sign? Like we know there's a Messiah coming, but, but we're not sure about you yet. And we just, we just would love a sign. We know that you are anointed. You've been anointed. We know that you've talked about how you fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. We've heard you say that you are here to proclaim the good news, free the prisoners, let the blind see, and free us from the oppression. We've heard you talk about how you're the vine, you're the branches. We've heard you say that where your heart is, there's your treasure. We've heard you say that your burden is light and we can come follow you and find rest and purpose and identity. We've heard you say that you are the way, the truth, and the life, but Jesus, could you just give us a sign? What's Jesus' response? It's a friendly one. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at at the preaching of Jonah, and now there is something greater than Jonah here. He sees through their questions. He sees through their motives. And he says, look, look, you're not understanding There is a sign that is greater than Jonah standing right in front of you. See, I think it's interesting that he brings up Jonah in this story. Just a quick recap. Jonah was the prophet in the Old Testament. He was sent to go preach God to the Nineveh people. Jonah was called by God to go and preach, telling them about God and how they're living far off from God. Jonah runs the other direction because he's consumed by hate, by fear. 
with anger towards these people. We see the prophet is more concerned about his own thoughts, his own needs, rather than the mission of God. God, I don't think these people need your compassion. Have you seen the way they live? They don't need it. So therefore, I'm not going to go deliver it. God, I don't want to follow your plan. Like, it doesn't seem all that great. There's risk in there, and there's things that I don't want to do. I'm not going to follow your plan. I'd rather follow my plan, God. In fact, if I can't live life my way, it might as well be over. Then enters a fish. Grabs Jonah, and Jonah hangs out in there for a few days. Like, God will use the strangest things, won't he? To get you to pay attention, to hold your attention, to get you to any means possible turn around. And Joan only slightly turns around. He's only slightly convinced of the will of God because then he reluctantly goes and preaches a five-word sermon to the people of Nineveh, and they all repent. They all come to know Jesus. It's the best sermon ever along with being the worst sermon ever. And then we have the prophet of Jonah. As the people of the city are repenting, as God is showing compassion on the people of Nineveh and showing compassion and grace for Jonah, Jonah's sitting outside the city wall in the dirt next to a rotted plant, moping. Stuck in his anger his bias, his hurt, his disobedience, stuck in his emptiness. Why did God, why did Jesus bring Jonah into this? Out of all the things that that Jesus could have said at this point in the story, why did God bring, or why did Jesus bring Jonah into this? I think it's for a very simple reason. See, the Pharisees were more like Jonah. You and I, if we're honest with ourselves, are more like Jonah. And Jesus is the greater prophet, the greater Messiah. See, in Jesus, we see the reversal of all that Jonah was. Jesus listens to his father and as a result goes out to the people to live among them, to have conversations, to show grace, mercy, justice, to perform miracles, to show them that love, the compassion, the grace, and what the judgment of God is like. Jonah didn't do that. Where Jonah runs away, Jesus runs towards When Jonah brings the storm on by his disobedience and he sleeps in the bottom, we see Jesus wake up and calm the storm and invite steps of faith to trust in him. Where Jonah wants to die, 
Matthew 26, 38 is Jesus in the garden praying, pleading. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's anguished. He's overwhelmed with sorrow because of what he knows he's about to walk through. And he's just pleading, God, if there's any other way, please. In Jonah, we see a prophet who's in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. And comes out pretty much unchanged in his perspective on loving this world. And we see Jesus, the Messiah, that is in the heart of the earth for three days. And the whole reason is because God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and for I. Where Jonah struggled to love, we see the reason for life, for the cross, for the resurrection is purely love. See, Jesus is saying, I am the sign. Don't miss it. You're Jonah. I'm Jonah. And Jesus is inviting us to repent to turn our lives and follow him so that we can live life to the full. Notice, Jonah knew God and still missed it. Do you know God? And yet you're still missing it? Jesus says, I'm the sign. Don't Miss it. Don't miss the invitation to live differently. Don't miss the invitation for a relationship with the Creator. You can be chasing after all those things that have been created and still come up empty, but life in relationship with the Creator is a full life that satisfies. See, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, the women go to the tomb and find that it's empty. News begins to spread among the disciples. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? The tomb is empty. They are walking away from the city because they think this whole thing was a failure. Jesus died. Nothing else happened. He's not the Messiah coming in on a riding on a white horse, taking over Rome. No, he's doing something far more powerful. Then we see Jesus start to appear to his disciples. His disciples who are sitting in grief, in skepticism, in doubt. And they are justified in doing that. And we see Jesus appearing to them, gently saying, Hey, guys, remember what I told you? This is really happening. I am alive. We see Jesus giving this command, hey, now that I'm alive, now that I've crushed death, now that I've won, you are on a mission. Go and make disciples and baptize people. Go 
And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us power and to transform our hearts and our minds and the ways that we live. And then the church is born. This beautiful, humble bride starts off in this countercultural movement that shows the world what it's like to follow Jesus. N.T. Wright says this about Easter. The resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. It is the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and you are now invited to it. Are you accepting the invitation? Turn with me to Colossians 2. Colossians 2 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Jesus He forgave all your sins, having canceled the charge of the legal debtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and principalities and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Does that get anybody excited? It's time to wake up, church. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 2. But God, rich, being great, uh, rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, by its grace that you have been saved. God raised us up with him and seated us. In him, in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by faith that you have been saved. It's the gift of God. For we are in Christ. We are God's artwork created to do and be created to do the good works that he's already laid out for us go make disciples go be baptized go preach to the nations maybe first start with your neighbors see church through the resurrection You are loved. You are forgiven. So forgive yourself. You are healed. You are new. You have a new identity that is not from this world, not from this culture, not from what you feel, not from what you think. But it's from Jesus. And in the scriptures, you are redeemed. You are set free from not only the life of sin, but you are set free to live by the power 
of the Holy Spirit and to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Come on, church. Let's get excited about this. Let's so show some joy. You were created to see the gifts of the Spirit in your life. You have power to forgive because you were forgiven. To love people because Jesus first loved you. To go and minister to that person who you don't want to minister to. Jesus has called you. He's chosen you. He invites you. He sends you. So church, we have a choice. We don't have to live like Jonah. We can live like the risen Christ through his power in the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. This morning, we are going to celebrate by worshiping. And we get to do a baptism today. Baptism is a visible sign of our faith and obedience to Jesus who calls everyone who follows him to be baptized. Baptism is a symbol. You go down in the water and you die to yourself and then you're raised up with Jesus in this new life, this new purpose, this new identity. So we get to celebrate that today. If you are somebody who hasn't been baptized and you are sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I'm following Jesus. I want more of him. Like this is the sign of Jesus in my life. I haven't been baptized. I want to come up. In the meantime, Fiona's going to come up and share a little bit of her testimony as we lead into this next set of worship songs. Hi everyone, I'm Fiona Dettinger. I've been coming to Renew for about like five years since middle school when we moved here. Um, And this is my family. And I was raised in a Christian household. I've been going to church since I was a little baby. Um, That's where I got my core values from. And uh, recently in April of 2021, I had the opportunity to move to California alone. And I kind of had the choice, like, do I keep doing what my parents did and like following the faith or do I fall away? And I actually started going to a few churches there and had the opportunity to meet awesome friends and people who are encouraging and really like helped me on my spiritual journey and having that relationship with God. And then um, I had this opportunity to go on a retreat in July and that's kind of when I decided I wanted to get baptized. And then it wasn't until this fall when I reached out to Jamie that I actually made the commitment um, to be baptized. And I, it's like really a statement of faith and just wanted to make it to be very public. Um, and I hope that my knowledge and faith grows even more after this moment. So, yeah. All right, we are going to worship and Fiona's gonna baptize and it's gonna be amazing. Let's stand.